Chapter 13 I call this the $100 kiss. Why, I don't know. If you listen to my previous conversation, you'll find me talking about 12 and what that was like to be with 12. Well, here's the rest of that story. The flight was late, leaving the airport. We sat looking at each other, wondering, should we go? The drive to the airport was quiet. In my heart, he was on the phone with his soon-to-be lover. See, in my heart, I knew that. Reassuring him things would be okay. I sat listening to my, my heartbeat. I wanted him to talk to me about what he would do or wanted to do. The only words that came from his mouth was, I really do not want to go. You should have waited until you heard from me. You just booked the ticket and did not give me a chance to make a decision. I really do not want to go. Although, he pulled from his pocket a list of things we could do in D.C., museums, clubs, places to dine. In addition, he had also paid for the hotel the night before. We boarded the plane. I was looking for two seats so him and I could sit together. Yet the only thing was, on 12's mind, was to sit far away from me as possible. And that's what happened. Arriving in Washington, D.C. airport at 8 p.m., he made it without turning back. That's what I meant. He made it. I know I was with him. Getting to the hotel, two beds, I was hoping be a king bed. This way I get to sleep for the night. He had no choice upon opening a door that was two queen beds and one for him and one for me. I got over that really quickly. He started to get dressed to go out for the night. He wanted to show me a couple of places that he had written down before leaving. My phone rang. It was Tara calling, a woman he once wanted to get with. Well, we was together. I wish I could have seen his face, or you could have saw his face, or knew what it felt like, his feelings. Being who is 12, covering all his feelings, yet leaving out the door, 12 asked, where did you and Tara become best friends? I replied, after she called me. And he said, hmm, else we got on the elevator, he smiled. We walked to the 
do on that area. It was just a joy being with him. We walked visiting some of the local shops. Peppermint, milkshake, a smile on him. I just wanted to walk with him. It did not matter where we went. The one shop we entered so it happened to be an LGBTQ store where he brought my ring. Not a Tiffany like the one I got for him or the one his new boyfriend sent him home with after a day trip to Atlanta to see him. To start a new relationship before he got out of this one with me. However, I love the fact that he had brought it. I picked the one he wanted me to have, put it on my ring finger, and smiled. This was a completion for me, an ending that was supposed to be our beginning. And I continued to enjoy the night just by walking, getting a quick bite to eat. I went back to the bedroom happy as hell. This night, two beds or one, no matter. I got a ring, some food, and a walk with the man I once loved. This was better than him holding me while I was sleeping. Upon waking the next day, we planned to drive to New York. First, we went for lunch and headed back to the hotel. Together our things, caught the train to the bus, or bus to the airport to pick up the car I had ordered before leaving the hotel. This was going to be a five hour drive and 12 and I could somehow rekindle our love. Conversation went well. It was like we were two lovers on a road trip or an adventure. So I was excited. In my mind, I'm thinking, he will give in to me tonight after buying me my commitment ring <laughs> and me not asking him to hold me. The ride to New York and us having a king bed to sleep in. We will hook up one last time. That was not the case. So I wanted shoes and to go out to the club. Little did I know, he wanted to go to the club to meet people, to take someone back to the hotel with him. So we can have sex with them. Crazy. <sighs> After meeting with Dave, one of my friends in Chicago, we headed to 178th Street to the club, standing in line waiting to get in. We got looks. In a way, some pretty sexy guys standing in line with us. 
I overheard 12 say today, I need a drink. Once we entered the club, things were going pretty well until 12 took his first drink. There's a sexy little Nord Ark looking boy standing next to us and 12 was all over him. Looking, then he turned to say, I'm thinking about fucking this little boy. Are you jealous? I smiled and wanted 12 to notice me. He did, however. The thought of sleeping with someone else was more appealing to him and I. Now, he is on another drink. Now he's really looking to hook up with someone. And we begin to walk through the crowd. And 12 makes eye contact with a sexy tall brother. We all stopped. These two wanted to hook up. 12 felt as though I should let him make his move on this person. And things got really heated. And he told me, well, I will go outside if that's what he wanted to do. He stopped me. More than once asking me not to leave. Dave watches 12 approach the young brother again, who turned out to be none other than London. You may have heard me talk about him at the end of the conversation. London was a tall, dark, beautiful brother, a model. The same young man I met after moving to New York three months later, after one of the last nights I could cry for 12 to come to the room, noticed me. This went on for hours, 12 not talking or sleeping. We left the club, dropped Dave off at his uh, sugar daddy's house on 42nd Street. Went back to the Sheraton. 12 did not come to the room. He walked off. I went to the room. I waited hours for him. He never showed. I put on my shoes, weren't running around the block, thinking he had left me there, checking the halls. Of this big quiet hotel, I found him. Going back to my room, all I could think of is he left me in New York, and the thought crossed my mind to call 13. <laughs> this is Atlanta, the one he would soon fall in love with. 13 picks up the phone. Hi, this is Anthony. Have you talked to 12? Yes. Is he still in New York? Yes. Can you tell him to call me? He left me on hold. 12, are you there? Yes. Talk to Anthony. Can you please come back to the room? Yes. Where are you? Downstairs. I look for you everywhere. Can you please come back to the room? I will be there.
That is complete insanity on my part. I mean, I paid for this trip. And I knew it was the end. I knew everything was over. And I still got this trip, bruh. And I still pursued this situation and wouldn't let it go. And that's what fear would do. It it drove me to do insane things because I did not want to lose something that I had lost. I wanted more of it. I thought it belonged to me. This is an individual, right? Who wants to be with someone else? Who wants to live their life? Not a child. I've lived my life. I thought I was in love. I was just plain crazy. When I think about me calling 13 and asking him, that was desperate. I was desperate. There's a whole story to how I got his number. And that was the only way. think about that it's it's mind-blowing and I visualized that day we were standing in a club and how I wanted to leave but couldn't leave but wanted him to have me stay right but then when I thought he was gone I freaked out I got scared like you left I remember going mad, as you might call it, and searching, you know, just private investigating stuff, like looking for things, putting pieces together and lying, because I needed to feel okay. I guess I had to go through it all. It just had to happen. My friend Charles, would you call himself my brother, he said, you can't, you gotta go through it. And I remember sitting on the sofa, reading book after book after book. And I remember finally letting it go. It was a weekend. I went to the local church. And they baptized me. (laughs) I thought that would do it. The only thing did it was when I really accepted that I was gonna be all right. 
that I had something bigger than him. That my life. Those days I walked around Chicago and sat there and stopped eating. I saw myself deteriorating. I went to a psychiatrist and talked to her. She prescribed me medication. I mean, the fear of not having someone love you will drive you to do things you never thought you'd do. Like I'm talking to a psychiatrist, I'm not eating, and I want to die. Not only did this happen, but that trip played a part in me losing a job I was on for, I don't know, 18 years. And I compromised everything, forgot about everybody. No, my daughter didn't matter. This house didn't matter. How I was going to have the pay my bills didn't matter. I compromised all of that because I wanted that one more night, that one more opportunity. And I knew it was over and I went at it. I don't regret it. I'm grateful for the experience because after we got back to Chicago, and he went on to wherever he was going you know something happened yeah I was shaken I was shook up you know I wish I had never taken the trip right but I can't take that back my experience was you can love people and let them go You can love people and let them go. That's nothing. Letting him go and loving him is the key to my freedom. Because, you know, I don't know, a few months after that, I finally got a job offer from New York City with Starbucks Coffee Company. I took it, didn't tell them about it. October was here, and he walked in here after coming from Atlanta and being with 13. And I remember clearly saying, you can go, you should go. Not only should you go, you stole from me. You tried to get credit cards from me. You tried to do all of these things in my name. You should leave. That morning I woke up in my bed. And he came in my room. And I said, you should leave. It's okay. And he left. I didn't leave immediately, but I was able to separate. I was able to go to dance class. I was able to fly to New York and lock up the house, do my interview and come back, prepare time to go. 
I remember sitting here one night and that car pulled up in the back. I locked the doors and ran out. Didn't want to see him. You know, after being in New York for, I don't know, a week or so for my interview and coming home and locking everything up and changing the locks and you can't get in. I remember saying, you can't walk in and out of my life. So I changed my locks. And I got a call while I was in New York. Because he couldn't get in. I was like, where are you? I'm in New York. I'll be back in a week. I need my things. I'll get them to you. Not to worry. And I remember setting stuff outside the door. Before I left, I packed everything and set it outside my door. Changed my locks and head out. And left. I did it. It's the hardest thing to do. I did it. Couldn't get in. And that's when I took my power back. Because <laughs> I was so powerless. The moment I admitted that he had a hold on me. Admitted the fact that I wouldn't let him go. That's when I got my power back because I packed everything in his house that belonged to him, set it outside my door, changed my locks, booked my plane ticket, and flew out to New York. Two weeks. I came back home. My house was empty. And I would get in the shower, close my eyes, and I would feel the warmth of the water, and I would see his face. I would walk down the street and hope he would drive up to get in the car. Where you going? <laughs> like, I was so crazy. I couldn't go to movie theaters. Couldn't do anything. I felt so broken. But October 1st, or was it the 31st? That's when it all changed. That's when it all changed. By November, I was on an airplane bound for New York. And that's where it all changed.